And this is Working the Beat. It is June 2nd, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. Uh, glad you could join us. We're going to try to keep as normal a show as possible. Um, where we have uh, Pat McLoon, the executive sports editor of the Inquirer, Mike's former boss at the Daily News. He will join us as well as Tom Shredencheck from Fox Philadelphia or Fox 29, the sports director, to talk about how we'll cover sports in the post-COVID world. Uh, but look, after the death of George Floyd and the violent reaction that's taken place, and, and the protests that have taken place across the country, uh, and the the violent reaction in some portions of Philadelphia that's gone on over the last couple of days, the city under curfew now for a fourth straight night uh, on Tuesday. Um, it would be ignorant of us not to at least mention it here at the top of the show. Um, Mike, uh, your thoughts on, on what you've seen? Well, I'm not a black person, mm-hmm. so I can't put myself in the, um, you know, how this affects me as a black person as opposed to a white person. Um, I do know that, you, first of all, the people that are doing the, the the stupid stuff probably aren't the ones there. From what we're being told, that's not the people, or at least most of them aren't the people. There's people that want to do um, peaceful demonstrations. Mm-hmm. We've seen police officers join those, which I think is the greatest thing in the world. The guys in Camden, you know, your dad was a police officer yep. for 20 years. I don't know if those police officers are going to take flack from their fellow officers, or I, I don't know. But when you see some officers kneel down to say to the people, I, I understand where you're coming from. But again, Kevin, I had a friend of mine call me last night who said to me, what's going to change? What is going to change? If, if we're having this conversation 10 years from now, it's the same thing that was happening 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Nothing changes. Black people in this country die. Um sometimes for reasons they shouldn't. And yet, you know, we saw like in 92, those officers got acquitted. Mm-hmm. Many times officers get acquitted or people get acquitted. We just saw something in Atlanta or Georgia two weeks ago, right? Um, that looks fishy, but I don't know. I wasn't there. I saw the video. There was a shooting in Louisville. A couple of years ago, the thing in Baltimore got Friday, way out Friday of gray. hand. Yeah. Where does it end? How does it end? You're going to pass legislation that says what? Officers can't. Do that to a black man? Those things are probably already on the books, I'm guessing. (laughs) But I'm just saying, where does it change? Where does America not be divided divided along those lines? Um, I don't know. I don't don't have an answer. I, I, I... I wish I did. And you mentioned I my, get the Nobel Peace Prize. And, and you mentioned my father was a cop, and he was, um, and proudly. And I'm proud of the fact my father was a policeman. Um, and I'm proud of what he did to serve the community. But I'm also aware of the fact that while 99% of police officers work in a responsible way and uphold the to protect and serve, you can't look at those four cops in Minnesota or the various incidents that are have gone on around this country and at least not ask the question, why is this happening? Why does this keep happening? And why are there why is this is this a part of a culture that needs to be addressed? Look, we're at a point, we're at a tipping point here. 
I mean, you know. But, but where was the tipping point? Was it was this, it a tipping point the, in 19? No, but in 1992, they had riots in L.A. where half the city burned down. Was that a tipping point? We looked at it then and said, well, this has got to affect change. That was 28 years ago. Baltimore was three years ago, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. What changes? How do you change it? Well, it, what the, the I, I guess, year, do you want me to, uh, Mike, uh, let me give you my idea. Okay. I think one of the things we have to look at is the effect on the police officer of the, of the job. And what I mean by that is, look, I saw this with my father and he saw some of the worst of humanity. Okay. And I believe that at times it changes a person. And I think that sometimes if you're in a position of authority, you may get drunk on authority. And so maybe it's time you look at, at, at police service in a way uh, that you look at being a member of the military. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, military members sent in 15 years, 20 years, and then they're able to get a pension or they're transferred on a regular basis to different units or whatever to kind of keep their, you know, to make it where you're, you're learning and you're, you're getting adjusted to different positions and you're, you're put into different cultures and you're aware of what's going on. And I, I believe that maybe that's an answer that has to be looked at. Um, but some of these incidents don't involve police officers, Kevin. The one in Georgia didn't involve a no. police officer. It was three, three white guys. Look, So as long as you have a black community that fears white America or doesn't trust white America, and at the top of that is cops whatever and and a white america that that lives in fear of black america they did, what was the whole thing in, in we're going to take our country back when, when donald trump said you know we're going to, we're, we're going to make our country what what was the the inherent thing in that that it had been taken away from us we had slavery in this country 160 years ago slavery but we point to other countries and say we're the beacon of freedom look at us this is the way okay fine but what happens if, God forbid, that cop doesn't get um, found guilty? And don't tell me he can't, because I'm not saying he will, no, but, but his lawyer's going to argue, they're, they're, they're going to come up, yeah, well, this guy was giving us trouble, he wasn't responding to what we said, you know, there was I'm not saying he's going to get off. What if he does? My God, the country will burn. I mean, what happens if those people in Georgia don't get uh, convicted and this happens all the time if you were a black person who's as old as me 62 years old do you think you could honestly say that from the time you were 10 till now you've seen change so if it hasn't happened in 50 years why do I expect it to happen you know did the president even call black leaders after that happened and I'm not saying that would have solved anything well, I, I Mike that. Mike I'm also look. I'm. I don't want to get into it as a political discussion. I think that there's. Oh, I, I think yeah. there's a moral discussion and a political discussion second. And but look, when you saw because you know watching what happened in the city Sunday night and watching what happened Saturday and Sunday night, it's horrible. It, it's awful. Yeah, and it's like, beyond awful. And, and like, why would anybody want? 
you know, you see neighborhoods, you know, we've all been out, you know, we've all been to the 52nd street area, you know, it, it, you know, if you're out near Penn or whatever, and you go out towards 52nd street, you know, covering high schools the way I did for years, um, out in Overbrook and, and going to Port Richmond and, and all these areas. And you see these businesses that have are destroyed. And they're, the, and they're their own businesses sometimes, and, and, many times. Yeah. And it, you know, because Kevin, but, but John Mike, Cheney, go ahead. Yeah, John yeah. Cheney once told me, when you lose hope, you have nothing left. I think a lot of these people have no hope. They have no hope that things are ever going to be different as long as they're a poor black person living in America. That's my thought. Okay. I can't put myself in their shoes. I don't know this, but I'm just saying is I think they see what happened in Minneapolis. They see what happened in Georgia. They see what happened in Louisville. And they say, I've seen this. I've seen this a hundred times. I've seen it a thousand times. So tell me how I'm supposed to react. Am I supposed to call my congressman? Am I supposed to call my mayor? What is that going to do? So they lose their minds and they do what they did and it's wrong. It's a wrong response. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and then I, I feel for the cops who were like out there because that, like, God forbid, if, if a Philly police officer had, had harmed a couple people, then that would have become a big story. And I think that's why they kind of were less aggressive. And then people gave them flack for being less aggressive. And I, I love this city and I know how much you do too. And we're lifers. We're lifers. We're here. I mean, I could have moved on a couple of years ago. And, but this is where my home is yep. and, I, and I love this city and I never intend on leaving it. Maybe Clearwater beach, but that's a whole different story. Um, Maui. Now, yeah, I, you know, and I think my best advice to people, especially people like us, Caucasian people treat people the right way. Just treat others the right way. And you act as if, you know, that you are trying to do your point by just even your little small part of just treating people the right way. By just treating people with respect and dignity, you will want them to treat you with. And well, I, like you said, it takes that one, that, that one person. I mean, look, it, it, last year we had 75, I think it was 75 police officers had to be let go because of racist comments they made on Facebook. Who does that? Why would you do that? And we live in Northeast Philly, Kevin. We're insulated. You know that. I mean, we have, it's, it's almost our own little city up here. Now you've traveled, I've traveled. We've seen all the bad neighborhoods because we've been there covering things that we, we know. So maybe we, know, but, but we live up here in Northeast Philly and you know, there's riots going on at 52nd and Chestnut and we go, that's horrible. Um, you know, but until they start attacking Franklin Mills or they attack, you know, it's, yeah, it's just, we live in our own little insulated world. We, we do. And it, it, all it takes is that little small percentage to tip it. You know, I'm not saying all Minneapolis police officers are like that. I'm sure they're not. But all it took was those four guys. That, that's all it took. Um, I, you know, it was eight. What was it? Eight minutes? Mm -hmm. Eight minutes to, to turn a country upside down for a week. Um. I, I, you know, what did Rodney, what was Rodney King? Can't we all just get, 
get along. I mean, it seems simple. It really does. And I go by your, the way I've always tried to go through life, and God knows I've made a million mistakes. I'm far from perfect. But you try to treat people the way you want to be treated. Say please, say thank you, open the door. I don't know. But I don't know. Maybe that's too hard for some people. I don't know. We'll all get through this. We will. I mean, yeah. And until the next one, you hope you hope there's not a next one. And you hope well, yeah. well you hope that there is this is different. And the way you make it different is by treating people the right way. We'll be back here. I'm working the beat right after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Working to Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Working to Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Working the Beat podcast family. For the last 10 weeks, we've been talking about sports and and the covid world and how everything will change when we get back and uh one of the things we've been looking to do is bring in some experts to talk about different parts of this and one part we want to talk about is how the sports media is going to react when all this is uh, takes place and where everything goes on and so joining mr kern and i are two people we respect and a third, we hope, will join us in a, in a second. He's having some technical issues. First, the uh, executive sports editor of the Philadelphia Inquirer was Mike's boss for years at the Philadelphia Daily News. Uh, it's Pat McLoon. Pat, how are you? Doing good, guys. My pleasure. And uh, I need a good, now, I've a good... the, uh, now I've hit the big time. I've been at it for close to 40 years. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than this. You can retire and Back now. in the day, Kevin, back in the day, Pat could hoop it a little bit. But down at the uh, Pluster, he was pretty good. Many days and many pounds ago, man. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us uh, from his home right now uh, is the sports director at uh, Fox 29. Uh, he's been there since the start of the 10 o'clock news back in 1986. And that means he's worked with Eskin. Oh, my God. That's, he's had two different tours of duty with Eskin. It's Tom Shredencheck. Tom, how are you? You know, two duties with Eskin and still here to talk about it. I think that's the biggest accomplishment of them all. And you kept First your press sanity. Conference I went to, uh, so far. Yeah. He's still with us. First Daddy. press conference I covered was Buddy Ryan being named head coach back in 1986. Wow. Think about it. It was right after Super Bowl Twenty. Yeah. And you're so, still just trying to win games. That's all you're because, trying to do. Because <laughs> the five of us on the screen, Mike, it's just a zone. It's just a zone. <laughs> trying to penetrate. And I should point out, McLoon's had to work with Eskin too, correct? With uh, the old Daily News column. Yeah. Well, when I fir- in two different uh, two different forms, when uh, when I started, both Mike and I were uh, what they would call clerks back there, editorial assistants. And the original Vegas Vic was Howard Eskin. The great yeah. Vegas Vic is Benjamin Lee Eckstein, who's been there about thirty eight years. But in the very beginning, it was Howard, and then at one point. Zach Stahlberg, who was a great guy to work for and a terrific editor, 
decided he wanted a sports gossip column. So uh, Howard wrote that for us as well. <laughs> See, I remember that, Pat, but I didn't know it was him. I, this is, I'm learning something this morning. I did not know that was him. Yeah. They did a, uh, at one point, there was a roast, a Joe Conklin roast for uh, Howard and Angelo, and they must have been down to about the 450th string because I was one of the roasters. <laughs> and uh, I've known Howard for a long time. I will say this. One thing I'll say about Howard is if you need something, Howard's Howard there. will do it for you. He is a, a, a very kind man. But in the roast, and uh, as the guy who edited him, I said that uh, when he wrote that column, Howard couldn't spell fraud if you spotted him the R-A-W-D. <laughs> That's P-H-R-A-U-D, correct? <laughs> right. Jeez. Um, we, we should say it. Ed Kratz uh, from Eagles Maven at USAToday.com uh, is hopefully going to join us. He's having some technical issues. And I should point out also, we have invited uh, a couple PR representatives that I know with different teams that come on this However, the general theme is all these leagues have pretty much told their personnel not to be talking about kind of the planning right now because so much is up in the air. So that is why we're going to I'm going to preface everything we're going to talk about in this discussion with that. And let me start with you. uh, Let me start with you, Pat. I mean, obviously, the newspaper industry has been hit over the last couple of years big time anyway. Um, Now you have COVID. And now for sports departments, the challenge is going to be you may end up in the case of the Flyers and the Sixers having remote locations for long periods of time and questionable locker room access. Kind of where are you anticipating this going as as we move forward? Yeah, I mean, it's not a it's not a, a as over all the years, the issue was how much money do you have in your budget and what discretion do you use as to what you cover and who you cover it with? And you make value judgments and things happen where like the Flyers don't make the playoffs and you wind up not spending the money and maybe you have a little bit more. But this is entirely different on so many levels because the first thing, Kevin, I would say is that you have a staff that is 100% compliant on traveling, that they know it's part of the job. They do it all the time. Uh, They do everything that they're asked. And now you have to ask yourself, will every one of those people be comfortable traveling to begin with? I don't think you want to put people on the planes that aren't comfortable. So there's that aspect, which didn't exist before. (laughs) You know, we all fight about access, but the other aspect is, is will the leagues uh, use COVID as a way to kind of, you know, shield the access to the media? Uh, I would think the rights holders will, you know, get, Uh, access. And I'm not entirely blaming the leagues here. The leagues have to do stuff that uh, relates to health. And, uh, you know, they have to, they probably have limits on how many people that they can put in arenas. You know, like the Houston Chronicle did something that I thought that was interesting early on where they were talking about, uh, you know, what's the big deal? You play an NBA game, you have two teams, you have somebody to keep the clock. And that, and, you know, you have a giant arena and you have 30 people. And they kind of broke down at the bare minimum that you would need 150 people to pull off any kind of a major league uh, sporting event. And that doesn't even include uh, the broadcasters and uh, the uh, radio and and print journalists. 
Mike? Yeah. I mean, Pat, it, it, could you see, I mean, as a paper, and we've done this sometimes in the past where there were things we couldn't spend money on to maybe go cover, but we covered them. We would get a hold of a coach. We do whatever. And Scott Lauber was on a week or so ago, kind of thought that might be the way, at least in the short run, uh, that you might have to do this. He wasn't even sure, like, the Philly broadcasters would get to go on road trips if there were road trips involved. But could you just see some of your beat writers who obviously need the access, but having to do it maybe by Zoom or maybe by being home in Philadelphia when they're on the road? Right. Yeah, that's a good point, Mike. And I think it's something that could come to fruition. Uh, all four of us know that that's not what we want to do and that's not how you normally operate. But, you know, if that does happen, that the leagues better be really prepared to have everybody getting on their Zoom call to talk to the people, you know, uh, you know, afterward. And I kind of had the same conversation with Scott that I think you guys had that, you know, he didn't know anything for certain, but in talking to broadcasters around the country in baseball, he thought that some of them might say that they would be at the stadium and do their home games, but they wouldn't necessarily travel right. to the team. Right. Now, do you, and this is a, a great segue to Tom, if that's the case, do you wind up taking the feed? Uh, if the Phillies are playing in Boston, do you wind up taking uh, the Boston feed? Or do you consider having the broadcasters, uh, you know, uh, do it, uh, you know, from the studio? And Tom will will bring that in. Tom, where do you yeah, see me, this going? Let me let me be let me back up one second. And and Pat, your point about the Chronicles, an excellent one. NASCAR is not on the level of these major sports, and even the five, if you want to include the MLS. But NASCAR so far has televised without a glitch, having their announcers broadcast from home and having minimal crews out on location at these tracks and using a lot of drone footage. The press box is down to four people. There are four writers only that are allowed inside the track. So you've got minimal number of writers. You've got minimal cameras. All of your tape operators and folks that run video levels for those cameras are working on remote. But you're still, even with all that minimalized, still talking inside a race facility close to 1,000 people. So if you are bare-boned, quote-unquote, and keeping that product on the air and satisfying, satisfying the advertiser, you're still a thousand people right there alone, and and not wood so far. There have been no tests positive for anybody that's had to do this so far. Every post race is done via Zoom, so that the electronic media and print writers across the country still have access. And I can see Pat and Kevin and Mike the the, the point coming that after an Eagles game, after a Flyers playoff game in August in one of these two hub cities, you know the publicist putting. Claude Giroux and Elaine Vigneault and Jake Voracek up in front of a Zoom press conference, at least temporarily. And, and that's probably going to be the deal, I would think, right now. And that's what we're planning for in this calendar year. Pat, uh, and Tom, that's a great guys, point, Tom, too. It, it brings up the other issue of that at least the NBA and the NHL are talking about doing these pod cities. Well, that becomes an expense to any kind of journalistic outfit because – Mm -hmm. uh, spring training is an enormous expense, but you know, uh, now, uh, let's use, uh, the NBA as an example. Uh, you know, let's say they go to Orlando and they're going to do the playoffs and the Sixers make a little bit of a run. Well, they're going to have all these other teams playing and you're going to be, are you going to be willing to fly somebody down there and let them stay in Orlando for maybe weeks at a time? 
covering the team. That brings up an expense too. And Pat, when you did, and I, I, I 100% agree with you. My question becomes, I guess, content-wise, your your point initially about bang for the buck, or is it worth it to have that reporter there if you're just going to be getting Zoom press conferences and press conferences and not getting that quote-unquote locker room access and player access that you would usually have? Well, Tom, do you, you, do you view your challenge as different than the challenge that maybe maybe Pat's crew would have uh, because you only have to fill three minutes a night, four minutes a night at best, you know, as far as you're looking for your clip, you're looking for your sound, your video and to, and to get going. Okay. You're also six hours in the morning and you're an hour and a half at five o'clock and you're an hour and a half at 10 o'clock and you're the immediacy at 10 o'clock of, of right after the game. So in the course of the day, you're still talking close to, you know, nine, 10 hours of, of content. And you guys know as well as I do in this town that if the Sixers reach whatever the Eastern finals are going to look like, the Flyers reach the Stanley cup finals, it takes on a different. Yeah. Hold on. I think I accidentally hit a button there. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> I, I cut now, you off now, there for a second. Now, my point being that, you know, if these teams make a run, it's, it's, there's going to be a novelty. There's no question when these teams restart beyond beyond any normal start of the season. But in this town, if a team, and especially during this time, if a team makes a run to a conference final or a championship final, in this town it becomes larger than life. And then, yes, then you may have to change your perspective of being there or not because not only is a team in a championship round, but a town that looks for normalcy and is looking for an outlet suddenly hitches the wagon to this star like they never have. Mike, and the other thing is, God forbid – if either a writer, one of Pat's writers, or one of your people tested positive at some point, like what do you do then? They got to be quarantined for two weeks, and you know, then you got to, I guess, decide do we want to send somebody else? I mean, there's so many questions that you really can't answer until they either happen or don't happen. Yeah, very early on. In fact, it was March 10th. Uh, we have a new publisher, Lisa Hughes, and boy, I give her credit for her leadership during this process because what a way to get started. And she's managed to, you know, uh, keep the newsroom intact and uh, has told us to keep moving on sports. But she took me down to a Flyers game and we went down to the game and, uh, you know, she's trying to get a feel for the Philadelphia sports. And with about nine minutes left in the game, my immediate boss, Stan Wisnowski, called her and I could see her and she left. And so once the game was over, I went and I said, is everything okay? Because I was driving her home. She said, no, it's not. And uh, when I got in the car, she explained to me that there was a conference uh, that some of our journalists were at, and now there was a positive case. And so that next day, they, you know, nobody went into the office and they cleared the whole thing out, whatever. And, you know, Mike, that, you know, that's a great point. I mean, you know, what do you, you know, what do you do if, you know, one of the people in the press box gets it, you know? Right. We know that the teams themselves are, ha- you know, having huge issues, and they look like they've gone past that point where they say one person gets COVID, the whole thing shuts down, uh, because I don't know that that's tenable, although maybe that tells you that you don't want to do it. But uh, they've got to the point that it's, you know, they're going to have to come up with some, uh, you know, precautions and protocol for what happens if, you know, one of, you know, 25 people on a hockey team get, you know, get the COVID. 
And, and Pat, how tough is it for like a Keith Pompey or Scott Lauber, and, and you know, one of the big to really cover a team the way you want it covered, the way the readers want it covered, if you know you can't have the access that normally they can have. And I know people readers would have to understand that, but it, it does make the whole process a lot, you know, tougher. It's very tough. And Keith's a great example. Keith Pompey. There's nobody, you know, we, nobody's more tenacious about the beat than Keith. And I, you know, I, when, when I get in any argument with Keith, it's the same argument is that I'm trying to slow him down because Keith insists on being on every road game and stuff like that. And, you know, Keith was there covering the team and then, uh, you know, uh, the Sixers, uh, you know, had some outbreak within their team and Keith himself had a, a, a right. tough uh, couple weeks where he had to quarantine or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough for anybody out there. And, you know, nobody needs to be uh, a tough guy or a hero here to say that they got to take all this on. I mean, we're, you know, uh, very careful. I mean, with the protests the other day, and I'm sure Fox 29's leadership was doing the same, you know, Gabe Escobar was saying, you know, be safe first, get the story second. You know, you got to, you know, it's uh, tough situations out there. Tom? What, what happens, guys, as well, you know, when you talk about, Pat, when you're talking about traveling reporters that, you know, within an organization as the 76ers had the three test case, that, that all of a sudden the league has to shut down. And then you are how long, you know, are you going to wait to restart that NBA, that NHL, that MLS season? How long are you going to wait till you require it? And then you have a reporter quarantined as well. So you don't. You know, can the NHL say they want the Stanley Cup done by the end of August? It could be the end of September. It could be mid-October. So those factors all have to be taken in as well in terms of how, how long are you going to make this commitment to, to stay with this thing? And the other question yeah. I would have, which leads, look, we, we all of us in this room, though, Eagles are different than other sports in this town because – of the amount of revenue that an Eagle Sunday brings in to media outlets and the attention, you know, Tom, you guys produce a, a pregame show on Sunday mornings and that I'm sure is pretty beneficial for your coffers. And Pat, I know yeah. what the Eagles have done print wise over the years for you guys. Um, it, it changed the ball game for us. Honestly, it's, 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 it, it launched a network to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, can you, as you begin now to process and we're in the June and it's not that far away from the idea of Eagles starting. If the NFL gets starting of how you're going to approach this and will it be different this year with the NFL because of the fact that, you know, while they don't have, you know, they have a couple of long road trips. They're not, you know, it's different on eight road trips as opposed to for a Philly season, you know, maybe 26 that you have to make. Go ahead, Pat. Uh, Believe me, I, you know, Kevin, that's, those are great points. And, you know, uh, sitting there waiting for that NFL, uh, you know, when the NFL schedule came out long before COVID, I was even, you know, hoping that, uh, uh, you know, please make the Baltimore game a road game because then, then, then you can, you know, you can always drive to Washington, New York and Baltimore. And now when you see they have that division, you want that to be a road game because right. that can take away that trip to, uh, you know, Cleveland or Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. So I'd be driving to Cleveland and Cincinnati. <laughs> no, we look every year, guys, when the schedule first, not before, as you said, Pat, before the schedule comes. And we know, you know, as we start to plan our budget, that if we have 
if we're playing the NFC West, then we know we have flights to Seattle and L.A., then, then you know, almost a year before you know and you start to plan that you're going to have to put a couple extra thousand dollars into those things and opposed to driving to a Jets game and driving to, you know, we've driven to Foxborough uh, to do games up at Gillette. It, it's, yeah, that's a different ballgame. I, I think everything the NFL has done so far is gun-ho, go for it. I think they're going to – obviously, they're going to open this week to select personnel. I think they're going to have mini camps. I think Roger Goodell is going to push this envelope as far as he can to get this thing started. I think this is a league, guys, that in 1987 put scabs on the field for three games to keep the ball rolling, and they're going to do that to keep those TV cameras rolling. And I think the NFL is going to start on time. Yeah, but this is different, Tom, because – it's you're dealing with with sickness and death. I mean, you know, it's one thing to say we're going to put replacement players, and you might not like it, but we're going to do it. But you can still put sixty thousand people in the seats and not worry about you know. This could be very problematic in terms that we don't even know what we're talking about yet. I agree with that, and I understand that, Mike, and, and it's a fair point. I, right now, to to kind of go back to Kevin's point, I we are going forward as if we are playing that opener in in Washington. Sure, we, we have sure. To plan and obviously, football means a great deal to our television station. You mentioned the pregame shows, and Pat can talk as well to the the extra circulations that come out and extra material online that comes with it. It yeah, yeah we have to go forward budget wise as if football is going to start on time, and our our plans are in motion that X number of dollars are going to have to be committed to the road, that are going to have to be committed to personnel in our building to produce those shows, um, deals with NFL films for footage. All those things are in place and ready to go, and we will retract them as the season retracts if it does. Pat, you have three Eagle Raiders, you know, and in addition to your three columnists, too. Um, well, four with EJ. Oh, four, too. My apologies. Right, I forgot yeah. about EJ. Um, and my apologies to EJ. But no problem. Don't forget about EJ. He's pretty good. Pretty, yeah. EJ is pretty good. Um, yeah. EJ kind of. You know start- who else is pretty good? That the Michael. To Michael Cole. Yep. Michael Young Cole. guys. I yeah. met him at a Villanova game. Pat, he's really good. He's really good. I saw him at a yeah, St. Joe game. Yeah, he's a, he's a young guy who knows. You know what? And Tom would uh, know this too when you, people come in from other markets and stuff is. Uh, Mark, uh, uh, DeMichael's good, but DeMichael knows that he's got a long way to go. And that's half yeah. the battle. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, if, if you understand that you're not a finished product and you're willing to work with people, he's a pleasure. Yeah. I, I have nothing but the best Pat, things to say about DeMichael. I like him a lot, Pat. And I can tell you right now that I, I know people within the TV business that don't always get that memo. <laughs> yes. Hey, but yeah, Pat, baby. But Pat, the question I was going to ask was: You have multiple people that go to Eagles games, almost every Eagle game, correct? Usually yes. three, usually, and, and a columnist, right? Given the financials involved, given what press box access may be limited this year, right? How much does that change your plan at this point for for sending well, it multiples? Could, it, it it could change it considerably. Uh, again, uh, you know, the publisher Lisa Hughes has done a great job, but. And, and, and shown great leadership, but we, we talk about the notion that uh, everybody's business is taking a hit on the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And there's only so mm-hmm. many things that you can control the cost if you stay away from personnel, thank God. And, you know, probably the biggest thing, the budget line, uh, you know, at the Inquirer and Daily News is sports travel. 
So, uh, you know, we expect that to be impacted substantially for this season and whatever becomes of this season. Uh, But, you know, and we would like to think that it would be pretty much back as a whole, you know, uh, you know, going, going forward. But that, you know, that's a great point, Kevin. But, you know, yeah, I mean, so you could see less people going. Mm -hmm. You could certainly see less people going to uh, preseason games. Uh, you know, and, we and want to be everywhere in Villanova, but we might have to. You know, we maybe we're not at that Creighton game next year. And I'm know? and I'm yeah. not bringing this up. By the way, I should point out, I'm not bringing this up saying, oh, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. But there's logistical problems here. And there's lo- logistical yeah. issues you here know, at play. Go ahead, Tom. In our TV, in our TV business, you know, and I the the fan pieces and the fans that travel in this city are unlike anybody else that travels. And Eagles fans, yeah. when you sat on those Friday and Saturday night planes. Uh, going to different cities, you know what they dominate like. the opposing crowd. But 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 those people now, <laughs> those people now are no longer traveling. So that maybe that yeah. budget that we put in to send a reporter to cover the fan experience and the fan aspect is gone because those fans aren't traveling. If you're if you're dealing with empty stadiums and all those fans that tailgate outside, you're not dealing with that part of the budget any longer because you have empty parking lots. So that has to be factored in as well. And, the whole fan experience will change and dictate, I'm sure, Pat, you know, the way it's treated in the paper. And certainly the fan experience, which is as much a part of Sunday morning for us, is no yeah, longer. And that's a great point. Yeah. You know, and it, it's worked in, in, in the opposite direction, too, is that uh, people were so starved for any kind of uh, live right. sports or anything that, uh, you know, uh, Fox numbers must be astronomical, but we do very well. Uh, on inquire.com. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. And the NFL draft, uh, we did. We wound up doing less stories and did far more traffic this year than we did the preceding year because people were just dying for every little morsel of real Eagles news. And, you know, you got a lot of people that said that the NFL shouldn't have done the draft. And, and you know, I understand all those viewpoints, but, boy, it was like manna. Uh, from heaven for us to be able to say, and you know, it gives you that window where we know we're good and you plan before it, and you plan after it. And, you know, one thing I think all four of us would agree on is that when everything shuts down on uh, uh, March 12th and March uh, 13th and Mike Jensen, who's been one of the real stars for us through this thing. And he normally is, but his ideas and stuff have been brilliant. He kind of did a TikTok with talking to all the other people about where they were when it all shut down. But when we were sitting there talking about, yeah, we still want a sports section or whatever. And we said, well, we got it. We got it. When we were doing that on March 13th uh, and when Tom was doing that and uh, everybody else in their uh, various places were doing it, who would have thought that, uh, who would have thought that it would still be unresolved on June, on June 2nd, Tom. Right. No, I thought, Tom, I thought I saw your hand up. Go ahead. No, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And I'll go back to the, 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 you know, the NFL draft at the end of April and even take it, Pat, a step further. I mean, the NFL schedule release just two weeks later was another. I, I don't remember in my 34 yeah. years the release of a 17-week schedule carrying the weight um, that it did. And, you know, usually have you get analysis and give me the record the next day and all that. I don't remember it taking on a life the way it did for fans. Uh, and I remember when this started, guys, and I'll be honest, I thought we would get the spike, we would get the curve, we'd be on the downside, and we'd be back to work in mid-April. 
you know, after after 9-11, we, as horrific as it was, you kind of saw the light and you knew within a couple of weeks we would gradually start coming back. Now, now I don't know what the, what the end game is. And for these leagues, I'm sure they don't either. Along those lines, to, to, to both you guys, I'm assuming restrictions are going to get lifted at some point, soon, hopefully, but we're going to go to yellow and maybe to green. What does that mean for your, for your staffs? Like, will people continue to work from home and gradually get back out? Or, you know, I mean, or as soon as they lift the restrictions, does everybody go back out? I mean, has there been talk about that? Well, we, we I'm have, amazed at the inquiry that we have, you know, there is literally, there has been no one in the newsroom uh, since uh, Gabe Escobar was the last guy to leave on, like, March 18th. And uh, we have done everything remotely. The only people that are on site are the people, and boy, talk about dedicated people that are in Conshohocken printing the paper, and they have a lot of great protocols there for taking temperature or whatever. But as an organization, uh, we've already made the decision that we're not going back until at least Labor Day. Wow. Tom? Wow. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. people ask me, you know, what is it like working from home? And there's a lot of it that I like, but my answer to it is that I don't really have a feel for what doing my job at home really is like because what I normally do in my job and what I'm doing now are two different things, you know? So, you know, ask if, you know, if everything comes back and we're really back in the, with the Eagles and everything, and then you're doing it from home, then I'd have a better feel for what it is. So Pat, even if like there's a green light on, I don't know, August the 1st, I'll just pick out, you guys are still committed to, to not going back en masse un, until later. That's, that, that's my understanding. And, you know, oh, uh, okay. you know how the newsroom works. We now are all on one sure. floor and uh, we're on there with uh, the good folks and advertising and uh, product and uh, circulation and uh, systems. And it's probably close to 400 people on one floor. So when you do go back, does everybody go back? Uh, do you right. go back a couple days a week? Uh, what do you do? And, you know, I mean, sports is, uh, uh, you know, you guys will get a kick out of this. Early on, we did a, a Zoom call to just plan for the walk-up to the NFL draft. And it was, uh, you know, me and Gary Petoskey and a really good new editor. We have Shamar Woods. And uh, we were on with McLean and, and Les Bowen and Damo and EJ. And uh, you're talking about guys like Mike Kern lived in the newsroom. Mike wanted <laughs> to be in the newsroom. But a lot of these writers want no parts. You're That's like, right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Pulling teeth to get these guys to come in. We did the Zoom call. We accomplished everything we had. And right away, almost every one of them kind of circled around to me with a text or a, a Slack or an email to say, hey, that went well. I guess we don't have to come into the office anymore. <laughs> so the bottom line there being is that, you know, uh, when we do go back, you know, sports is used to the working, the writers working right. remotely. So, I don't but know you guys, a, you guys are all going to have to, but you're going to have to figure out ways to social distance, I guess, even when you go back. Yes. Um, yes. Which exactly is, right. You know, 400 people on one floor is not right. easy. Right. And <laughs> with the digital stuff and all these, the producers, the, re, the newsroom was reconfigured that they were closer than ever before because of that energy that you get, you know, with the news popping at a minute and, you know, right. you know, nothing's more live than the TV and what Tom goes through. But, you know, that seemed like a good idea at the time. It's a terrible idea right now. Tom, I know yeah. your newsroom, obviously, you know, at 4th and Market, I mean, it's in the middle of everything. 
Um, it's 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 Kevin. We when we have started, you know, it started gradually around that March thirteenth, fourteenth, and by March twenty fourth, we're down to probably ten people a day in the building, and that's it. And that's that's bare essential to keep the product on the air. Fox has been very good outlining dates going forward, week by week, literally, of when a return will be. We're minimum June 15th, and that's the last correspondence we've had, uh, and that was just last week. And I think it's obviously going to go much deeper. It'll go much longer than that. I don't think we walk into the building, uh, certainly not until the city goes green, uh, until Philadelphia County goes green. I don't think we'll be near the place, and I think we'll – you know, it'd still be wearing masks, still adhere as often as possible to the six-foot rule. I think the one thing I miss more than anything and our people miss is in, in the electronic field, you tend to be extroverted people that, that, that live on human interaction. And while yeah. you have one-on-one relationship with players and coaches, within your coworkers and your staff and your bouncing ideas, it's different than bouncing ideas and talking and interacting on a Zoom call and looking someone face-to-face, cracking a joke, telling a story, let's try this, let's try that. I think that part, I, I personally have missed more than anything else. Um, I, I, I want to be, be at games. I want to be talking to people. I think that's the kind of stuff we'll miss that, that has hurt us that I think is going to take some time to get back because I still think even when we get back in that office, there's going to be a little bit of a feeling out period. I don't know how long it's lasted. And I tend to be the kind of person that I think once you get back in and kind of immerse yourself in your work, then I think that's when you get back to whatever the new norm is going to be. Tom, we had, Tom, Deuce, we Tom had uh, Mike, we had Deuces Rogers on uh, Tom a couple weeks ago, and he talked about how this will change the business for you guys. He felt in some way going forward. Do you feel I that do, way? No, yeah, I do. No, and I think because it's going to be – it's going to be, I think, a reflection of the way the teams and the leagues respond and, and the way they grant access. Uh, yeah. Are we going to have open locker rooms? Are we going to have availabilities? How is the access team by team going to change? Because that's our bread and butter still. I, you know, everybody everybody can put highlights online. You know, 10-year-old kids can, can go online and watch ESPN.com, wherever they want to go and see the White Sox beat the Indians 3-2. to two. I'm not giving you that. But the kind of stuff that I want to bring you, the feature, the story, the uh, behind the scenes, the access, that kind of stuff that now may be shut off a little bit more that we rely on the TV business and to show it visually, I think that's going to be impacted and change the way we do our business. Mike? Well, yeah. I mean, along those lines, I was going to ask the kind of same question because a couple of the people we've had on have said this might give teams – I mean, already the relationships between teams and media sometimes is strained. It's it's whatever you want it to be. But that they might use this to say, hey, you know, you're getting Ben Simmons once a week. You you, you know, you're getting Joe. Oh, Joe my God. Oh, if we no, could no, get no, Ben no, Simmons no, once, well, you, once every yeah. three months right now. Bad example. <laughs> but um, these, uh, these but athletes saying, are going to like right? this. Yeah, these athletes are going to like, they're going to say, you know, I, I kind of liked having that little Zoom yes. thing. I just have to talk. I don't have to, I don't have to look you face to face. I, I you know what? Right. That wasn't a bad thing. That's what it becomes. I think, you know, like the baseball writers unions that has to step in and say, Hey, you know, this was the deal that we signed, bop, bop, bop. This is the access we have to be granted. The NFL has certain periods that, you know, four times a week, Doug Peterson has to be available three times a week. That locker room has to be open for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Does that change? You know, does that change after this or do they have to still abide by those rules? 
I guarantee you those players, you know, think about it. Do I, do I need 15 cameras walking through my locker room all no. week during my down period? You know, I kind of like, uh, uh, you know, Brett Strosacker. Do I really have to – can I just do this in front of a Zoom for a half hour and make that my availability right. for the week? No, right. I, I think – But, he, but even, like Doug coming, even like Doug coming into that room – in front, I mean, people are going to have to sit six feet apart. They might have to wear masks, I'm assuming. Um, the whole – it's all—it's going to give teams, I think, a reason to, to go the other way. And I'm not saying they're wrong because of the pandemic, but I think they'll take it to the limit to limit what you guys act, are getting. And, and, Mike, let me ask you this. The, the, the PR director, is, is their responsibility – to make sure that their product and their people are available to Philadelphia. I was going to their responsibility to the team that pays their paycheck to protect the image that leaves the building. Mike? Yeah. I, well, it, it's like if well, you're Trump's assistant, you're Trump's assistant. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying. If I know. He's right. And it, I, it, it, you know, your loyalty has to be to him, regardless of what I think of how you're doing your job. I mean, you know, when his press secretary gets up and talks, I might not agree with what she's saying, but that's her job. Correct. Well, you know. well, let me let me ask Tom and, and Pap this. We've been in a, per- a period now of 10 weeks with all these teams, okay? The level of cooperation you've received from the four or five pro teams in town uh, regarding stuff you need, you know, players or whatever, has been what? Well, it varies, uh, and it's not necessarily uh, consistent with what you would know. Like, I've always felt that the NBA gets it more than any other league. But the NBA access and the Sixers access has been uh, tougher than ever. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that Dave Choller and those guys are taking the lead from what the NBA is telling them to do, but uh, it's a lot different. Uh, You know, at at times, you know, the Eagles have been tough, but I'll tell you what, the Eagles have trotted out a lot of guys. So uh, I give them credit. You know, one place that's been uh, really amazing for us has been Penn State. Uh, you know, we've yep. heard from James Franklin several times, you know, some of the copy editors, and we all know how jaded that they can be. I mean, we were, I, we were part of it at one point in our careers. You know, they're like, oh, my God, I, you know, who haven't we heard from? But I think it's great. You know, I mean, uh, you know, we've heard from uh, just about every uh, major uh, player or every local player. Uh, you know, at Penn State. So, you know, uh, you know, and it's interesting, uh, it, everything changes from day to day. Chuck Fletcher was going to do a an access on Monday. Uh, and then Chuck pulled back and, you know, God bless him. I, I, I think he did the right thing. Chuck felt as being a guy that's from Minnesota and in, in Minnesota, that it just, it, 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 uh, it just felt wrong to him to be yeah. talking Flyers hockey on uh, the day, you know, after all these protests and uh, the tragedy that happened uh, uh, with the, the poor guy up in Minneapolis, you know. So everything factors into this. Uh, you know, I'm sure that the teams, as usual, the consistent thing is they feel we're a pain in the neck. I think Mike's really on to something. You're always worried that the access, the teams are going to just use it as a way to uh, – give an inch that they, you know, take a mile with the access during this period and uh, we, we wind up losing on stuff. But I totally, I understand that, you know, we're not the only ones with problems, that the leagues and the teams and the players themselves, that, you know, they have their issues too. 
Tom? And, and with, with those teams now, I think even more with what's happened in our, our city over the weekend and beyond now, I think athletes and coaches, as you said, Pat, are going to be even less apt uh, to be available because they know the line of questioning that's coming. Yeah. You know, you can get into the role of the athlete. Is, is it, and I had this discussion with Howard last night. Uh, Howard asked, and I said, is, is the athlete's role right now a right or a responsibility, you know, to, to evoke change? And, you know, we, we talked about it for a long time. And I think now that the athlete knows those kind of questions and those kind of issues that are going to come up, I think will tend to make them less active than even before uh, to want to speak and do these type of availabilities. I agree with Pat 100% on Penn State, and I applaud them. They have been up front, two, three players. James Franklin, Sean Clifford is, is scheduled to talk this week. And, you know, maybe you can stay in some ways. Does it really hurt? And, and in any way, shape, or form, James Franklin can use this as a recruiting tool. Is there a is, is there a team that you feel like has not been cooperative with you, Tom? I, I think the greatest struggle has been the Phillies, and I think part of that issue, uh, Kevin, has been because of, I think, the tenuous MLB contract negotiations, and I think that message that they – know is coming and those questions that they know are coming is something that they want to avoid right now because major league baseball could be resolved by the time this hits the airwave. I don't think it's going to be, I don't, I have questions whether or not we're going to play this year. And I don't think the players want to be in that position to answer the question. And I don't think the teams going back to our earlier point, I don't want to think the teams want those players in the position to answer those questions. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Pat, I want to ask you one thing because I've been amazed through this of how your staff comes up with some of the ideas that they come up with because there's nothing to write about. I mean, some days there is, you know, some days something happens in baseball and I just sit there every day saying like, and I, I think of Mike Jensen, uh, all your columnists um, and just everybody, Eddie Barkowitz will come up with stuff. I mean, is that just a testament to how, you know, good these guys are and how they're committed they are to their jobs? Because it would be easy after a month or so to say, I got nothing. I got nothing left. I don't know what I'm going. You know, I can say, "Hey, I'll call John Cheney. That'll that'll work." You know, and then, but yeah, are you have you been amazed by how good your guys have been through all this? Well, I have and I haven't because I, you know, it's a great staff and the work ethics are all great. It did. It has dawned on me on more than one occasion that uh, we could certainly have used Michael Jack during now because <laughs> your versus it happens. It happens. You know. I, I'll, don't worry, Kevin. I will insult him plenty before this oh, is over. But, but uh, you know, you know, you would be a godsend right now because you really, you know, you knew all the sports, and uh, it would really uh, shine through right now. Uh, but you know, I appreciate your saying that. Uh, we we feel the same way that guys are, you know, uh, responding. And the other thing you got to remember is that uh, I don't have half my staff. Uh, or it might look that way, but, uh, you know, that's uh, right. They're doing a great. lot of guys have been reassigned. Frank Fitzpatrick's been reassigned. Aaron McCarthy Giuliano. is probably getting more hits than anybody in the building because of the work she does on the uh, blog. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, some guys have been doing obits, right? She yeah. Eddie doing- and Giuliano are doing obits. Gary miles is running that obit thing. Uh, so, you know, I mean, that's another factor, too. And I totally get that those people have been uh, reassigned. Uh, you know, uh, it's, you know, we can talk about this and we love what we do and we're very 
protective of everything that we do, but, uh, you know, uh, realize that the real work is not in sports right now. The real work is in the people that are, that are covering these things. And Tom, Tom, the way you guys have gone about it, obviously having to be creative, Kristen Rogers has been doing all her stuff at home, but zoom calls and everything. It's been pretty remarkable to see how everything's pulled off. It's been, um, as I'm sure Pat can identify, it's been a challenge that there has been nothing we've done in the past that's prepared us for. You know, we didn't we didn't go through journalism, we didn't go through internships, we didn't cut our teeth uh, with any talk of anything like this happening, where everything would just completely shut down for months on end. And in some ways, it's kind of this is going to come out wrong. I'm going to say it. It's kind of been refreshing to every day, every week live to create things, to, to find those different stories, to find those different angles, to tap into resources you didn't think you had before. I mean, I, I've kind of enjoyed the challenge day to day because the, the the ball keeps rolling, the television set's still on the air, and the numbers are still on the air, are still there, and we look at them every morning. But towards that end, um, you know, Kevin and Mike, I've kind of enjoyed that challenge of creating and finding the offbeat and, and do those different. I totally agree with that, heads. Tom. I think that's a great point. Uh, and, and it's been, a, you the know, same way. Yep. maybe some ways we joked how long we've been doing this. Maybe this is going to come out wrong, but in some ways we needed like a little shot of adrenaline. And this, this has kind of given us some creative juices that we didn't think that we've had before. And, you, you know, on our station, Bill Anderson has just found every day, a different person in the community who has done something to help other people. And it's just been, it's amazing. It's fun to watch. We sit on the zoom calls, you know, every day, twice a day, planning out these stories and finding these people that are, that are heroes. And, you know, amidst everything going on in the city right now, there are still a lot of really good people uh, doing a lot of heroic things. And, and those are the kind of stories that are still fun to present. to people. And if this had happened 20 years ago, would, would we be able to do this? Social we, media has changed that whole ball game, Mike. Yeah. It's a totally different – it's a totally – not just the Zoom technology, but social media and, and the ways we use social media and the Internet have totally changed the ball game. not just in our business pre-pandemic, but even during the pandemic. It's a, it's a major factor in everything. Uh, I think we got Pat back on. I saw Pat had dropped off the call. I'll, I'll, it's funny. This is going to be our, my last question. I don't know if Mike has any more. I'll ask both of you. Uh, I'll I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask Pat for my job back. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you his answer right now. <laughs> um, Thank you, Tom. Uh, I'll I'll give you the sport. You tell me if you think they'll play or not the rest of the year. Ready? No. Uh, Phillies. Or Major no. League Baseball. No. no. Pat. Uh, yeah, I think they will. Okay. But I'm very, very unsure of that. Uh, the NBA. Yes. I think they'll play too. The NHL. Before the NBA. Before yeah, the M- and you know what? I thought that I thought the NHL would have been the test case to say, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna come back stronger than ever and we're not gonna do it. But my, they sure seem determined. So it looks like they're gonna do it. The MLS. That's the one I would have told you three days ago would be the first one back, and now there's some labor issues there that make me question it. I still think when the dust settles, yes, they will. Yeah, because they can't afford to sit out, really. Right. Can they? I mean, you know. Yeah, and frankly, it's a chance in this country that, like, you know, we're getting uh, we're getting good results 
John Tannenwald does a good job uh, covering soccer for us. And it's funny because he does better with stuff other than the union. And uh, he gets great results telling people who's going to be playing in the Bundesliga because people are that starved that they're watching German soccer. That is, And it's a chance for the MLS, if they get up and going yeah. first, that people are, they're going to get people watching that wouldn't have watched before. Uh, so, boy, I hope I don't blow that. College. NASCAR, NASCAR has done it. NASCAR has done a number for us. I mentioned that before, and there's people that have found a maybe a different appreciation or understanding of the sport because it was the first one back, and not just the first one back, guys, but a sport that has not had a positive test that has lasted, that has at least right. raced four or five times right now yep. without an issue, maybe has set a tone for other leagues, and we'll see the PGA Tour next week in Fort Worth. But maybe NASCAR has set a tone that if we do this right, if we test right, if we limit the numbers, we can play. I think we all agree the NFL is going to play. Uh, am I speaking out of turn here? Yeah, I mean, the real issue there is they, they may push the envelope with the fans. Yeah. And uh, we'll see how that goes. The other thing I think is really interesting is if we did this six weeks ago and you said what's not going to happen, the one I would have led my lead punch would have been college football. Yeah, and college football is the last one. you remember back then that, like, uh, Gavin Newsom in California said, we're not doing anything all fall. And then the next thing you know, Cuomo in New York says, go ahead, let the pros start. And Newsom does. And I think Notre Dame really kind of uh, set the tone there by getting out front and saying we're going to start on eight, you know, we're going to start on August 10th and then we're going to let all the students go before Thanksgiving. And, you know, that seemed like a good idea and they were being real magnanimous and thinking about their students. But I think they were setting the tone that this is a way to get football going again. So I think they have a shot and I would have never thought college football had a shot. Shredder. And I think it was, I think it was Kirk Kerbstreet back in early April said, there's no way that we are yeah. playing college football this fall. And that was early April you know, before this, this mushroom to the level that it has. But I think we will have college football this fall. With or without people in the stands? Limited numbers. Kind of like the Miami Dolphins, who I believe have come out and said they're going to hold Hard Rock Stadium to 15,000 seat capacity. I can see a scenario, as much as it pains, you know, these these folks that, that you know, maybe an eight-game home season package for the Eagles, you're going to get two dates. Maybe you get three and you spread out the fans that way and you get 15,000 fannies in the seats. I think if you do it that way, you can do it. And maybe how many what you fans, do in how baseball many is that you let only your season ticket holders come in. Yeah. And that's a shame for people that want to grab a game here and there. But, you know, that, that you got to be loyal to that uh, season ticket base. Are they, are they going to have limits on Temple football? I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. <laughs> you know what, Mike? The Fox motto is we go there. You just went there. Okay, pal? That, that, hey. That, 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 was, that was a slam. I love the Owls. By the, way, by the way, you realize the Chargers probably couldn't sell out a 20,000-seat stadium at this point in L.A., but that's a whole different story, you know? True. Uh, Pat McLoon, the uh, executive sports editor of the Philadelphia Inquirer, and Tom Schrodenschek, the sports director at Fox 29. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Uh, be good, guys. Be good. Be Thanks, safe, guys. and uh, we hope we'll talk good to you down the road. Everybody, my my uh, cell phone started to go, so I had to go to uh, audio only on the laptop. That's okay, and uh, we yeah. appreciate it. Thanks, Pat. There you go. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, guys. Thanks, back at, back with okay. more on Work of the Beat right after this. Our thanks to Tom Shrenchik and Pat McClune for joining us here on Work of the Beat to talk about the issues involving uh, sports in the post COVID world as. Uh, 
we move on and part of the sports in the post COVID world is major league baseball. And we talked about this in the discussion, um, major league players association and the, uh, the owners have been exchanging proposals, uh, trying to get the financials to work. Um, and they're not going very well right now. Uh, MLB wants to, or MLBPA wants to go to 114 game schedule, which would mean that they would get roughly half a season worth of pay. They did kind of uh, alter their uh, proposal to where it basically would both be playing games for free. And MLB has decided, nope, that's not good. Uh, full prorated salaries, but a shorter season of somewhere around 50 games. Uh, Mike, I know we've talked about this issue time and time again, but they're not getting any traction, and the, and the deadline is coming here, well, isn't it? Are you telling me, I want to make sure I understand this correctly, that they could play 50 games and get the money that they were promised in March when they thought it was going to be 82 games? No, they would play 50 games. That would basically mean... They get paid for 50 games. They would get paid for 50 games, which would be okay. 30% of their salaries. Right. I, I know baseball is a marathon, and that's what makes baseball baseball. You know, you're, it's, it's whatever. I kind of like the idea under these circumstances, these unique times that we're in. That's why I said with the NHL and the NBA, just come back and have playoffs or have a play. Yeah, whatever. Don't, don't finish your season. Mm-hmm. I think baseball at 50 or 60 games would be fantastic. Now, would it be – um, legit, who knows? Who cares? I mean, really, who cares? So you have a 50-game season and maybe uh, some team wins the World Series that you never thought was good. I, I don't care. To me, that would be great because it would be a sprint. You know, the third game the Phillies would be playing would matter. You know, you'd be paying attention. It would almost be like a football season. Uh, that year when the NHL, I think, had, what, 48, 44 Fif- games 48 or games. That was awesome. I mean, we all agree. Now, you won't want to do that every year, probably. But, um, yeah, I mean, that would that 114 thing, Kevin, I didn't get that. Because that, to me, then did make it sound like it was all about money. And well, I didn't well, know how no, they were going to get the I, 114 I, I, in. I think, they were, I think they were looking. They were looking at the playoffs start, uh, taking place in November, basically playing the regular yeah, season through that's October. Tough. But they and were, that's assuming but hold on. That, that you get all your games in. I, I, think like, what, I think what the players were hoping for was the idea of uh, the idea that you would basically be giving them some free games. In other words, you know, you, right. you would get your full half yeah. salary, but you would be giving them free games and hoping right. that maybe appeased them in some way and it would allow the owners to have extra revenue in a sense of television deals that your te- TV mm-hmm. deals are not as prorated, you know, like. Um, but it's pretty clear the owners are – the owners want to get right to the to the playoffs. They want to get right to the chase here. And yeah. because they see that the bulk of their national money is going to be in the postseason. There's right. a real layer of distrust here from both sides. You could just tell looking at these proposals that there is something here that's just not working right. Well, I mean, we, we see, yeah. I mean, look, and I've been it's funny, I've been actually following the MLS negotiations. And that just sounds like the owners in that thing. And I, I could care less if the MLS comes back. But the, it's the same kind of thing. Like, they're trying to really put these – because the owners may, – maybe the owners think they have a hammer. I, I, you're, you're more aware of this than I am. But if, if you go forward, 
if there's no baseball this year, it can be really damaging, you know, because you don't know if you're going to have baseball next year or in 2022, let's say. Um, and then you're just looking at your sport kind of going away. I mean, it'll never go away. I, I right. don't mean it that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's funny how you go from 114 games to 50. <laughs> I well, but here's the, bottom, here's the bottom line. I think that – I think I think the players – believe that playing more games helps them with their mm-hmm. with their salaries obviously and it helps the cause of the owners because it would allow the sport to keep going and it makes yeah. them look better at hey look we want to play more and i think they don't realize that the owners are saying by playing more it's costing them more money because right. it's a, another game without revenue coming in right with right. the game yeah, I thought the 80 games to me sounded about right. Like, if you're going to do it, we'll play half a season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, again, it's all about money, Kevin. It has nothing to do – you don't even hear him talking about the health issues. I mean, they will. Well, yeah, and that's, that's another issue. Because baseball, they're, go, they're going to be flying, right? They're going, they're going to be going to different yeah. – Right. Um, but it's all about money. It, it's all about the players want to get as much out of it as they can, which I can't fault them. The owners want to get as much out of it as they can. I, I, I can't fault them. There has to be some middle ground. There, there, but apparently we're seeing maybe not. Um, I, I just it, – it better happen soon because if, God forbid, you, you do – I mean, if you're going to play 100 like – End of the week games, soon. End of the week and then you soon. And you got to come up with a schedule, right? I mean, I, I, yeah. that's another issue. But let's say 114 games for the sake of argument. What happens if you can't play the 114 games? Yeah, you know, there's going to be rainouts. There's going to be this. There's going to be. I mean, you're going to have teams playing like three double headers in a row, and guys' arms are going to be falling off because ultimately that won't help the player. And again, no minor leagues to draw from this year. You're going to have that a taxi is, squad, but no well, minor leagues. Well, yeah, they probably but they would probably like expand the rosters. I'm guessing they probably yeah. have like you would have a rosters. you would have a you would have your 35 man rosters and probably another 20 left edge right. reserves. Keep them warm in case. Yeah, but I mean, can you imagine if they come back and and um, um, Noah blows his arm out because he, you know, I don't know, maybe pitched too much, and then his career's over or his career's sideways, and that's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. It, these these things happen in regular baseball seasons. Um, it just it doesn't look good. You know, you're always the one that's saying it's not a good look. You're, it it is. It, it just it doesn't look it, it just doesn't look right. And and you know, you've you've said the CBA for next year plays into this. Oh, um and I understand how that is. Um it's a perfect storm. And and can you imagine and this is what's even gonna I still think the NBA and NHL are in a better position because you're not starting from scratch. You can just go in. But if they're playing, let's say the NBA and the NHL are playing by August the first, and baseball isn't, oh, They'll just forget about it. I mentioned this with you on the show the other day with you and Ryan. Um, Think about the fact that this could be the first baseball season without, or first season, first summer without baseball in any form. No little league, no high schools, no college, no minor leagues, a very real possibility and no major leagues in over 100 years, almost 150. Aren't the little leagues coming back? I thought I saw stuff where they were going to 
be coming back like soon or well, or, like, there's no little league world maybe series. By the end of yeah. June. I mean, there's some, oh, no, yeah, no little league world series. Right. No, no. And, but look, we, we, we had, like I said, I, I have no problem. Look, I feel bad for a kid that he's going to miss his little league season or high school player. who. who but that's not good for the sport. Season. That's not good for the no, sport. No, it's at all. not. But um, again, I think in the last two weeks, we've sort of lost sight of the health issue. Yeah. Because of all these other things that are happening, you don't hear Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, and we're up to 100 and what are we, 105,000 105, tests? Yeah. And we don't even know what's going to happen when things start opening up. And especially now. I, with- I don't, right. But we, we've now shifted our, our focus onto other things. And I'm not sure that's always the smartest move either. And we're assuming that when all these sports come back, there's going to be no speed bumps. Well, eh, you know, you know, and I know there's going to be speed bumps. We just mm-hmm. don't know where they're going to happen, how they're going to happen, whether it's going to be college football, pro football, this, maybe all of them. Um, you know, it, it, it's easy for me and you to sit here and say, boy, these owners and players, they come on, they, they got, you know, you got to get, but you know, like you said, there's this level of distrust. We were just talking about, you know, the situation in America with distrust. Well, you said this is 20 years in the making, um, this, this, this trust level between well, these 50. two. It's been 50. So, okay. Yeah. So why do we think it's going to change? I go back to that line. No, because the players are going to sit there and say, especially the ones that got money, you know, those that can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I mean, could you imagine how great it would have been for, and look, I don't even know if you could do this health wise. I don't know if baseball could have opened July 4th. I don't know that. I have, you know, maybe it could have, maybe, maybe in empty stadiums. Okay. But could you imagine on July 4th, if you woke up, you know, you're Kevin Cooney, you're a baseball guy, and you're going to sit in front of your TV. Maybe there's a double header. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Phillies are playing the Braves. Yeah. And you, you know, you, how great would that be? Yeah. Well, it ain't going to be. Well, I mean, at least not on July 4th. You know, and I was thinking of this. It's not, yeah, you would think it's not going to happen, but unless it happens again by the end of this week. Um, I think even then July 4th would be tough. You would have to get everybody in next week and, and start. And, but, uh, you I know, as Ruben, like middle, middle of July, maybe, like by that point. It's, um, you know, the sport. The sport finds a way to shoot itself in the foot every time, every time. Uh, the, the old line of baseball is a great game, despite the people that were on it. That's pretty much what yeah. it is. But but then I wasn't I hearing Kevin, and maybe I'm like that a few years ago anyway. Mm-hmm. That baseball was up, like the, the, like ticket sales were up. Um, oh, they make a I ton know of the money. Ratings, the TV ratings probably weren't up, um, but. The, like the people were saying, it, even for all our criticisms, that it was still in great shape. They make a ton of money. Tr- they make a ton of money. Right. But that doesn't mean the interest in the sports up. Okay. You, you can artificially pad s- stuff, you know? So so ticket sales have, have, have been on the decline? Yeah. Over the last couple of years. Okay. 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 Uh, I, I, yeah. Is that for all sports or is that just for baseball? A little bit of all sports, but baseball seems to be the most glaring over the last three, four years. I've heard that with college football, too. Yeah. College football is not 
I always think college football is in great shape because I'm watching Alabama LSU on Saturday. Yeah. Well, you know, no, I don't like, know but the, like Notre Dame didn't sell out last year. Yeah, no. you mentioned it. it was for the first time since what, like the seventies like years since the seventies. Dan Devine before the, I think it, uh, they didn't sell out a game. They play a Thanksgiving game the one year and that didn't sell okay. out. And that was so, and that was even an outlier. So I don't um, remember Notre Dame playing a Thanksgiving game. Wow. It, it was a made for TV. Like I think they moved it because of a storm or something. It, okay. I got, okay. Um, okay. Let's go to the NBA. The NBA is going to announce this week, the resumption of play schedule. It looks like, um, Inviting 22 teams to restart a truncated season late July. Uh, there's a push to get all 30 teams to play at this point. Um, so they're not going to play the remainder of the schedule. They're going to like have a play-in play thing in, or something? Play-in thing, yeah. And they're going to give up that money that they, they're not getting for playing sounds the final it. five games? Sounds it, yeah. Wow, okay. Okay, interesting. Um, I think that's the right move, personally. I, I think you tell the Golden State Warriors to stay home. I I. They have no interest. Or the in Washington Wizards. or yeah, Washington Wizards, you name the teams. I mean, you know, I, I guess if you're a team that's three games out of a playoff spot, you're going to get a chance, right? You're going to be part of that 22-team thing. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at this uh, overall, okay, if you look at the league going down. Like the teams, I'm, count, I'm going to count up. Golden State, Cleveland, Minnesota, Atlanta, uh, the Knicks, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Horton Bulls and Hornets would all be going home. Okay, so I guess next year for the lottery, they would have to add a few teams to the lottery, or would they just have a ten-team lottery? I don't. I I I think basically, yeah. yeah I think they would add teams into the lottery who okay. Maybe even lose yeah, their playing I, I games. I think that four minutes. So the Sixers would play the first round. Sixers would play the Celtics still. E- even in the play, the playing games couldn't affect them. No. Like that would be the Sixers Celtics. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. In this town, if the Sixers are playing the Celtics, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I think. My question would um, be: My question would be, are you going to let the you know how much of a like you have to let these guys play a couple? scrimmage games or something don't you well yeah well i mean you don't want guys going from zero to a hundred you know you wouldn't think so um but you know i mean you would think you'd play some exhibition games at the very least but how do you schedule them i mean everybody's going to be in orlando right yeah um that's a good question kevin i i don't i don't know i don't you know i don't the other the other thing that's at play is do you have a tournament that basically goes seeds one through sixteen or do you break it east west since everybody will be in the same spot? I keep it east west. Okay, that's me. I, I think you have to keep some sort of normalcy. Okay, you know if if, if you're going to seed it, I mean if you if you want the Lakers and the Clippers in the final, and you think that's the way it's going to happen, okay. But I don't. I don't need the Lakers and the Clippers. If the Lakers and the Clippers play in the Western Conference Final, that's fine by me. That would be great basketball. If they you know? if they seed it based on the end of season standings, okay, and win percentage, okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, Milwaukee will be one. The Lakers will be two. The Raptors will be three. The Clippers will be four, and the Celtics will be five. So, in all likelihood, the Lakers and the Clippers won't meet in the finals anyway. Well, they could be in the finals because it could be Clippers, Bucks, Lakers, Raptors. No, no, but what I'm saying is that you said the Lakers and the Clippers were 2-3. Yeah. 
right? Two four win percentage. Two four. Oh, I thought you Toronto, said Toronto. Toronto's three. Toronto's three. Okay, yeah. Okay, well then you could. You're right. I I thought you said two three. No. I'm sorry. Um, I I'm just of the belief you keep the conferences. You keep the conferences. You 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 you. You know, somebody comes out of the East, somebody comes out of the West. Um, we knew to start the season, the Clippers and the Lakers couldn't play in the finals. So why change now? I, I I don't see the need. If they play in the Western Conference Finals and it's a great series, that's good enough for me. Okay. You know, and then maybe maybe the Bucks are playing uh, the Sixers or the Bucks are playing the Celts. Or the Raptors. Or the Bucks are playing the Raps. I mean, will the Bucks and the Raps be as good as the Clips? From a national looking at it, no. But uh, you know, some of those series last year were pretty good. The Sixers raps were pretty good. I thought Milwaukee, um, I thought Milwaukee Toronto was a great series, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It, it, to, to me, that works. Now, I know the NHL is probably going to go away from that. Yeah. Right. They're going to go. No, they're keeping their confidence. No, they're too, keeping their they? they're keeping it one. Yeah, they're keeping it that way. I, mean, I like the idea of what they're doing with that little round robin. For the for the one two three four teams. Well, and that's like basically to get, that's basically letting those guys get their legs under them too. That's, that's how good. they're. That's how they're. You know, you gotta you gotta be creative here. He really. Uh, I like what the guy from Boston said. I think it was like the general manager. I don't know. And they said, "Is it unfair to you that you may not get the number one seat?" Because I think there were seven points ahead or right. something like that. And he said, "Hey." You know, it's it's unique circumstances. We understand. We we may not love it, but you know, this is what it is. And I agree with him. And you know, if God forbid Boston ends up as the second, third, or fourth seed, hey, that's life. You know, um, they can still they can still win the cup. Yeah, they could. And let's face it, I'm not a hockey guy. When the eighty two regular seasons going on, yeah, I I use but. Hockey playoffs, it don't get better than hockey playoffs. No. No, you know. Right. And it's gonna be and the fact that you're probably gonna end up watching it like all through the day. You know Kevin, that, that's gonna be gonna the other be part watching, of this too. We're gonna be watching everything. Yeah. I tuned in ESPN the other night. I was appalled. They had the K what 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 is it when they do the games the the, the games on the um, you know, the play games. Yeah. I they know. had that on and then they were doing analysis of it. Yeah. Like after the game. I, I I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that our world has come to this, but I, I understand. <laughs> just, we were oh, um, we were wondering about college football and one of the first signs hey, uh, Pat talked about it too. One of the first signs occurred today. Notre Dame and Navy were scheduled to play in Dublin, Ireland, uh, on August twenty ninth. Yep. Uh, that has been moved. And it's been yep. moved to Annapolis uh, on Labor Day weekend. Uh, Notre mm-hmm. Dame announced uh, it was a Navy home game. Uh, the the ga- Navy will host the game on campus for the first time in the ninety four year history of the series. Um, Wait a minute, run that by me again. But- Navy will host the game on campus on Labor Day weekend. On Labor Day weekend, for the first time in the ninety four year history of the series. So when is the Boston College game going to be played? What? You're telling me Notre Dame's going to play Navy on Labor Day weekend? On Labor Day weekend. Instead of playing in in Dublin? Yeah. Okay, well, are they going to play Boston College at some they other point in the they season? They weren't scheduled to play Boston College. 
Oh, 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 no, no, no. My bad. Um, it was Navy Notre Dame. Why was I thinking both? Because yeah. Penn State played Boston College over there, right? right a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was. So Navy Navy's going to host at that stadium that we went to to watch the bowl game. Yep. That's awesome. Because what? That's about a 25,000, 30,000 yeah. seat Tops. stadium. So you could put five or 10,000 people in there, space them out, right? Mm-hmm. And you probably still have a decent environment. Um, yeah, hey, you know, they're trying. It's all he can do is try. I mean, you know. So, we're, you know, there was obviously a lot of money that went into it with plane tickets and game tickets. There was 40000 expected over in Dublin for that. Uh, but it's a yep. sign. I think, you know, what, what Pat said, you know, I think we're seeing signs that college football is going to be played on as close to schedule as you're going to see this. this well, assuming nothing happens, right? This is all based upon nothing happening, but they are planning on that it that way. Sure. Well, they can afford to plan on it because they're three months out. Right. I think that's why the NFL has been so gun ho in all this is because first it's the NFL and they're three months out. But if God forbid in late July or early August, something happens with the virus because of people going back to their lives that we're not aware of, it could throw monkey wrenches into this. Now, they could still maybe play them, but just not have fans in the stands. But, you know, what was Pat saying something about uh, the Houston did that story where, you know, even just to have um, for an NBA game or something, or a basketball yeah. game, there's going to be like, what, a thousand people that have to be, or hundreds of people that have to be in the arena? Yep. Um, so for a football game now, obviously more than that. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you can plan all you want. If we've learned anything in the last three months, you can plan all you want, but you better be able to call an audible because the virus is dominant over us. Yeah, that's a fact. It's not making up. It's not an opinion. It's not politicized. It's not anything. It is there, and it is going to keep until it goes away or we find a way to inoculate ourselves against it. And I don't think that's going to be by September the 1st. Um, But, you know, I'm just fearful that the disappointment, if we get to that point and then realize we have to call audibles or do – that the disappointment then will become even more frustrating than maybe it is now yeah, or has been. It could be. I don't know. But you have to try. Mm-hmm. You, you have to try. The president is right. But you have to try to get back to some degree of what we were. It's just a matter of how you're going to do it. You know, we, we could be sitting here next year at this time having not the same conversations, I hope, but, you know, might not be over. Totally over. No. But we're going to and we're going to What do you think's going to happen in Philly, Kevin? Before we, you know, like when are we doing the next one? When are when are we do, when are we on again? Well, we're Later scheduled in the week? we're scheduled to go Thursday, but I don't have anybody lined up yet. Uh I tried okay. I tried to reach out to a coach we talked about last night. Um Right. And they aren't um they That's issue, fine. Yeah. yeah. Um what do you think in the next couple days? Will, will, will this go away? I hate to say go away because that means you think the Minnesota thing is going away. But, I mean, well, do you think I do mean, you think we're going to go through the same thing we went through in the last two days, like for two more well, days? 
I thought last night was calmer. I don't know how you felt. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I think that people, I hope, I, you know, that's the thing. You do hope uh, more than, you know, uh, anything. You hope that right. this is this is going to resolve itself in some way or tempers will cool down. Um, yeah. But this is this is the thing, what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Um, you know, you hope that logical people, people of good faith and good heart, you know, I, I heard it was Saturday night, uh, one of the community leaders, and I forget his name and I apologize, was speaking uh, at the city press conference. Um, and he talked about the idea of, you know, Target had closed all its stores in Minnesota. And, oh, oh yeah, that's right. That's huge out there. Yeah. And Target had closed all its stores, and he goes, you know, I've been in North Philly, been, been trying to get a Target store here. And if you mm-hmm. loot and everything, how difficult it is to get Target right. stores back in the neighborhoods where they could use them, where there's supermarkets sure. and all that. And, and I hope more of those type of people, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody... I don't think anybody can sit here and say they know what's going to happen. They really don't. I mean, that whole neighborhood at 52nd and Chestnut, which is so important to those people, right? Yeah. A lot of that might not come back, right? Or might not come back um, right away. And maybe a lot of those have been closed because of the pandemic. You know, I'm going to ask you something. I didn't know your father. Mm-hmm. What do you think he would be telling you if he were here? And you had said, Dad, what do you, you know, what do you think of this, Dad? You know, it's funny you mentioned that um, because I've had this conversation with my, my mother the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, he would say, throw the book at the guys. Right. Throw the book at the guys who committed this, who started this. Um, you know, and that's kind of where I say about the wear down. Like, I, look, I, I think... I'm not saying he's wrong, Kevin. No, I, I, you know, I, I think he, I think he would look at the good people who are having their lives destroyed because right. of this, mm-hmm. and he would feel awful. I think he's like most cops who who look yeah. at this and, and he he looked and feel awful for people whose lives have been set ablaze mm-hmm. because of the actions of of bad actors on on in the police department. I mean, that's the spark. That's yeah. the ultimate spark. I, I, I don't know. It's strange. And I just wish we all kind of could look at this and it's Pollyannish. I know. I know it sounds completely Pollyannish. Even when I say it, I just think somewhere along the line here, we have lost a sense of decency um, we've lost the sense of treating people with respect and treating them as individuals. Uh, and that's not just police. I think that's all way walks of life. You know, we, we've become so, we've become so tribal in a sense of you're either this or this. You're either Republican or Democrat. You're either Fox News or CNN. You're either yep. whatever. You're liberal or you're, you're conservative. conservative. Or how about right. You're human. You can yep. have an opinion and you can say your opinion and have something that 
doesn't and another person can have an opinion and you don't view it as like like a, a attack on everything you own you know mm-hmm. yeah. like the, the honest art of conversation in this country has gone off the track here and it's not just the yep. donald trump thing i i know yeah. we want to paint this as a donald trump thing it's not just the no, Donald Trump. No, this was around. This was this around been, long before Ronald, Donald Trump. Yeah, this is a. This is a fact that I, I I think, we all talk. We all want to talk. We all want to just get our voices out there, and we all want to say what we believe. Uh, yeah, we believe is the absolute gospel every time, and none of us listen anymore. None of us yeah. listen. And the fact that none of us listens causes this shit. It really does. Yeah. Like, just take a step back and a deep breath and understand that your actions, whether you're a policeman, whether you're a policeman or somebody who's rioting or whatever, your actions have consequences on other people's lives beyond yours. Yeah. And the, the other thing too, Kevin, I think Tom actually touched on this, the social media element of the world we live in now. Oh, it's awful. Not, it's not awful. that this means that the, like 25 years ago, Minnesota could have happened and we wouldn't have had video of it. You know, well, Rodney, I mean, Rodney King was 30. Yeah. Right. But then that was just because some guy happened to have a, a whatever a camcorder. Um, but now we we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter, and people can basically say anything they want. They can inflame if they want. They can, you know. I mean, I've sent some things out on Twitter a couple times that I thought were fairly innocuous. You know, I don't try to get. I try to hold myself back, and guys would go off on me, and I'd be like, "Why am I doing this? Like, why? Why? What? What is the point? What? You know?" Um, and we all and- want to point at somebody else who usually doesn't look like us or doesn't think like us or doesn't whatever and say, you're the reason you're the blame. You're, you're a, cons- you're, you're a liberal. I'm a conservative. You're, you're white. I'm black. You're, you're a Republican. I'm a, de- it, it, and it's, it, it, it doesn't, it, it causes a divide is, is what it causes. And it's hard to repair that divide. It just is. It, it, you know, because this, this, this is two, this is hundreds of years in the making. You know, it's not like it just started yesterday. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it didn't. Um, and you know, but we got to do something because you can't keep, can't keep going on like this. Probably not in my lifetime, but we got to start somewhere. We've all created our own little bubbles and we've all created our own little echo chambers. Yeah. And we rush. And we're comfortable, and we're comfortable in those bubbles. Mm-hmm. And look, I don't like talking politics on a forum like this a lot. I really don't. Yeah, it's hard not to sometimes. Um, but you're right. And I don't think people who vote, like in this upcoming election, I don't think people who vote for Donald Trump are bad people. I don't. Nope. I I, I think they have their issues as far as they have things they believe in mm-hmm. that are pointing them that way. I just disagree. Yep. yep. And I look at it as, and I feel my opinion, 
you know, and I'm, I, I was a Republican for a ton of years, a ton of years. I grew up in the era of Reagan and I grew up in the era. I think one of the great American heroes is George H.W. Bush man went to war at 17. Okay. Man served this country his whole life. I, dignity, respect, all that. Okay. You could disagree with them, but the man's character was pretty strong in my opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I viewed the world through that prism, but I also viewed through the idea of my neighbor, my, my best man at my wedding is as, I want to, I is as big a liberal as possible. Mm-hmm. Has worked for Bill Clinton's campaign, has been a Democrat his whole life. Okay. I disagree with him politically, but I, I love him like a brother. Um, I have, I have many people, friends of mine, relatively close friends, uh, family members, um, acquaintances that are staunch Donald Trump supporters. I don't hate them because of that. I may not understand it. I, I, I may, you know, I, but hey, they're, they're still my friends. They're still, you know, you know I'm not going to like cut them off or not talk to them or not um, whatever. That's, that's, you know, one, one of the great things I thought about George Bush was that first he George became, Bush, first George, the Bush. first George, he became friendly with Clinton. Yep. The man who defeated him. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were politically, you know, opposite. As hostile a campaign as there ever was in 92. Right. But later in life. Became friends. They became apparently friendly or, you know, as former presidents are wont to do sometimes. I thought that was awesome that, you know, these two guys could you do that. When you see at John McCain's funeral that the two eulogists are George W. Bush and Barack Obama. Yep. Two people who beat him, but who spoke yep. about the character of the man. Well, I'll give you a perfect example. I, like, I, I, I didn't vote for John McCain, whatever. I thought John McCain was one of the greatest Americans you could ever have. How could you, how could you say bad things about John McCain? You can't. Like, please, tell me how. You could disagree with him politically, but you can. But that's a whole different attitude. And see, that's yeah. where I have a problem sometimes with the politics of today that get into that, calling John McCain bad things because they don't, whatever, they don't agree with him. The man spent five years in a, in a POW camp or whatever, or are you kidding me? And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to like say, uh, you're a bad guy because you're conservative and you don't, you know, I don't agree with like everything you say. No, 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 no. But that's where we are. That's where we are. And when you have certain people that inflame that, that's what happens. And once you light that match, Kevin, it's hard to, to put those fires out. Um, I'm telling you what, the, the next six months of America is going to be, it's not going to be fun, although we might have sports. So that'll be fun, but this is going to be a, it, it's a goofy, goofy, goofy time for us. And, um, you know, we just hope we get through it in as much of one piece as we possibly can. That's all we can root for. Yep. Thank you to everyone. Uh, thank you to Pat McClune. 
Thank you to Tom Shredencheck who have joined so good us. Good to see those guys. Really was. Uh, to talk about the issues with sports and everything. Um, you know, again, take care of yourselves. Listen to people. Be kind. That's all you can do. For Mike Kern, I'm Kevin Cooney. Thank you for joining us on Work on the Beat. We'll see you later.